productive mathematical achievements, for example, the, the concept of zero, which was prior to the discovery in India, unknown to Western or unutilized, we could say, and many astronomical mathematical contributions. So there was definitely a lot of exchange. They've discovered Greek coins that had Krishna and Balaram on them. So what what there's there's a lot that lies beyond the surface level of what we're able to even conduct with our own research. Linguistically we know Sanskrit, the language of the Vedas, is considered the the mother of all languages. That when you trace back the etymology of Latin based languages, they're called Indo European. So the Indo European has a, a strong connection how a lot of Eastern cultures what's going on Darius welcome nice to see you brother so we're studying the Gita Bhagavad Gita as it is and um, the question we asked was does is heaven real and what we're reading about here is a, a certain revelation that yes, there are higher realms of consciousness. It's not just a fanciful speculation. Uh, it's not someone who's a little cuckoo. It's, it's actually a reality. And Krishna, the name Krishna we've been explaining is the Sanskrit name, which means the all-attractive being, the supreme being from which everything emanates. And this chapter is explaining how people approach Krishna that the goal of our life is to approach a higher reality. The highest reality, actually. What is the highest reality? That which b lies beyond all relative realities. And the Vedas, some of the ancient Sanskrit texts, they teach us level by level how to go more and more towards understanding this absolute reality. So uh, all of us are on this journey, and, and that's what really what makes life exciting. And we carry certain conceptions of life based on our background, our upbringing, our cultures. But there's something much deeper that unites all of us in, as human beings, and that is this quest for, we would say, completion. We, we still may feel some lack, and that's what's really driving all of our activities. What is that? We're seeking ananda, or transcendental happiness. That's why we're doing whatever we do. We're on a search, we're on a quest. Now, the Vedas say here there's different realms of your quest. And here, those who study these Vedas... They seek these higher realms of consciousness. Now, why are they higher? The inhabitants there are existing in a more purified state. Their consciousness has been more purified so they can live a happier life. Purification of consciousness is what brings happiness. Happiness, according to the, the Vedas, is based on what we call sattva guna, the mode of goodness. 
Sattvagun, Rajagun, and Tamagun. There's different energies by which we become conditioned, and they have differing results. So Sattvagun conditions one to happiness. This is where our consciousness becomes illumined. And the happiness of the mode of goodness is happier than the lower modes of nature. The example is given happiness in the mode of passion and happiness in the mode of the ignorance. So in goodness, one is living a more sattvic lifestyle. They have better habits. They're healthy. They have intellectual strength. And they act morally, righteously. They have good relationships with others. And they engage in spiritual practice. That's in the mode of goodness. Those people are able to actually appreciate and enjoy life more than those who don't. Those in the happiness in the mode of passion is this very flickering happiness. You really endeavor and struggle a lot to get a moment of happiness on the physical platform. It's like someone working, the examples give someone just working super hard just to get money to enjoy for one night. So, you know, often we're, we're, we're pushed in that direction too, where it's more of an instant gratification. Now that happiness is, to a certain extent, experienced by the body, but it's not the same as when the consciousness is becoming more illumined. Because when the consciousness is more illumined, that happiness is able to come from within, from the soul, not from something external, extraneous to ourself. So it's an, a flickering thing. And happiness, the mode of ignorance, is where actually the consciousness becomes covered. It's just like many people, uh, you know, part of our culture, people get really drunk. They get very intoxicated. And that's a type of happiness. But what happiness is that? That happiness is that their consciousness is actually becoming covered. People who are in that state, the higher processing the higher ability to tap into the soul becomes covered. So that's also a kind of happiness, but it's very temporary and how much also it brings uh, un undesirable results. It brings people doing crazy things, terrible getting into accidents, doing, you know, bad things to loved ones so it also carries a very kind of dangerous side the point of this discussion is that the happiness that one is seeking similarly is experienced in different realms of this universe there's the higher realm which we're hearing about here which is called svarga svarga loka svarga means these heavenly planets it says here they enjoy Deva Bhogan. They enjoy actually a higher standard of happiness. And as we've been explaining, that is due to elevating their consciousness. So yes, heaven, there are higher heavenly realms. Here we have information about them. The higher planetary systems known as Maharloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka. Loka means planetary system. So according to the Vedas, we are situated in the middle planetary system. It's called Bhuloka. Om Bhur Bhuvaswa. Maybe you've heard in certain mantras this phrase. Om Bhur Bhuvaswa. This refers to the three planetary systems. There's the middle system, 
Bhur and Bhuvar, a lower system, and Svas, Svarga, which is a higher system. So here you have different activities. These higher realms, they also uh, facilitate happiness. But as you keep going up, you're able to achieve higher levels of happiness on Maharloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka. This is where great sages reside. This is where great yogis, those who are endeavoring for these higher levels of self-realization exist. And the happiness they're achieving is becoming very more subtle and subtle. It's not on the gross platform, like happiness just for the body, for the senses. When one's more spiritually awake, that's very insignificant. That's very fleeting compared to the inner happiness of the soul. So the Gita is teaching us how, through the process of yoga, through yogic principles, we cleanse the consciousness more, we come to that mode of goodness, sattva guna, where then the consciousness of the soul can actually flourish and blossom. So it can blossom, that means it can actually come to its full potential. So this is that happy, this is that ananda that we're seeking. This is what we're really after, although often we are looking in a roundabout way. We're seeking something in this material world to fill that space that can really only be achieved by this complete blossoming of the divine consciousness. And this chapter is explaining more about how approaching the Absolute Truth, Krishna, and especially through mantra, mantra upasana, which means the worship of the sacred sound, mantras, they carry immense potency to help awaken that divine consciousness. Now, here's the thing about heaven, which is unique contribution of the Vedic text compared to other Western traditions, is what we'll hear in the next verse. So this is text 21. When they have thus enjoyed vast heavenly sense pleasure, and the results of their pious activities are exhausted, they return to this mortal planet again. Thus, those who seek enjoyment by adhering to the principles of the three Vedas achieve only repeated birth and death. So this is where they differed, the split. People talk about going to heaven. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. The Vedas say, if you go to heaven, this higher ethereal realm, even that is not transcendental. It's temporary. There's something beyond heaven. So heaven is this ethereal realm where still you can enjoy, you can be with others, but you're still progressing spiritually. You've not reached that ultimate destination. You're still growing your consciousness. The implication here is that there does exist the transcendental realm for someone who's become fully awake. They've really, they've, if they've achieved full self-realization, then they don't come back they enter into that transcendental reality. 
this purport says, one who is promoted to the higher planetary systems enjoys a longer duration of life and better facilities for sense enjoyment. Yet one is not allowed to stay there forever. One is again sent back to this earth upon finishing the resultant fruits of pious activities. So by performing pious activities, by performing good works, charity, being a good person, doing well to others, you accumulate a certain result of piety. By dint of that, you can become promoted to heaven. But it says here, one is after that promotion, after that piety is exhausted. So when you go to heaven, that piety, you're using up all those pious credits. This is the principle of karma. So once that karma is used up, one is sent back to this earth. So this earth is the realm of generating karma. The higher realm and the lower realm are the result of your karma. But that's what's so pivotal and unique about this earthly middle planetary system where we are, is that this is the field of karma. This is where you actually generate your karma and you'll actually be deciding where you go. So, so much responsibility is there in this, in this life, in this where we are right now with our free will and we can make choices. So we want to, we need to direct our choice, our free will towards the higher destinations. We need to cultivate higher philosophy of life, higher living, more compassion, more enlightened decision-making. What we're doing now is going to influence, the, as we say, the afterlife. Now it says here, He who has not attained perfection of knowledge, as indicated in the Vedanta Sutra, or in other words, he who fails to understand Krishna, the cause of all causes, becomes baffled about achieving the ultimate goal of life, and is thus subjected to the routine of being promoted to the higher planets and then again coming down, as if situated on a Ferris wheel, which sometimes goes up and sometimes comes down. The purport is that instead of being elevated to the spiritual world, from which there is no longer any possibility of coming down, one simply revolves in the cycle of birth and death on higher and lower planetary systems. One should better take to the spiritual world to enjoy an eternal life full of bliss and knowledge and never return to this miserable material existence. So these are heavy words. Some of our, our, our callers have expressed that. It's a little, seems strong, you know, what are you talking about? But imagine, imagine you're so thirsty. You're in the Arabian desert and you're so thirsty and someone just has this ice cold whatever you know beverage of your choice just coconut water or some incredible fruit juice or just water itself something that will actually quench your thirst and it's ice cold and it's right in front of you but you can't reach it So is that is that happiness? You know, you you can dance, you can jump, you can sing, but you can't get what you really need. 
So we are hankering for this higher satisfaction. And this world, this middle planetary system is not the place where it's available. We need to engage in yoga so that we can access it. How do you access it? Where is it? It's within us. It's not outside of us. So the pursuit of this world is, hey, look outside for it. But the real methodology is what these books are teaching us. Hey, look within for it. How do you do that? How do I look within? What does that mean? You have to study Bhagavad Gita. It's a whole science. How to look within. See, our material eyes, they're looking out. Do you see that? The eyes, they're facing outward. Well, what's looking in? What's inside? Can't see that. So it's explained that the third eye, it looks within. Or an enlightened consciousness, we can introspect. Who am I, really? Am I this body? This is my body. Mine implies uh, mine implies proprietorship. It's my body. So I'm not the body, and who am I? If it's mine, who am I? This is, these are the questions of self-realization. So, one who can rise to that spiritual platform, the spiritual world, they can enjoy that really constitutional nature full of bliss and knowledge. Never have to endure that, that experience of always hankering after something. Always not fulfilled. Whatever you get, you need something else. So bhakti is the science of how to access that, how to tap into that. And it's connecting us with the divine source, Krishna. And we do this primarily through mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama Hare Hare The mantra is like the the ladder that takes you from where you are to where you want to go. So we've encouraged everyone to take up a practice of chanting, especially recommending this Maha Mantra. Um, a mantra which can begin to turn our consciousness inward. <clears throat> 